Okay, no, I'm not also preaching. Okay, <laughs> I'm not doing everything today. We have a special guest. So in case you're wondering, Jason and Sue are not banking church. Um, they're actually up in Joburg spending some time with family. Um, it was one of their daughter's birthday party or birthdays this weekend. And we also have our group conference coming up next week in Joburg. So they are there getting ready for that. I will be joining them on Tuesday. And we're really excited for that. I do want to encourage you as a church to pray for us as we're up there. Um, we're really like expectant and trusting and open to God doing something in us that we can come and overflow here again. So please, yeah, please do pray for us as we're up there. But today we have the honor and the privilege of having Pastor Dino Chikatilo with us. So can you just stand to your feet, please, and give him a huge welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Dino. Thank you so much. Am I on? Can you hear me? I'm on. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Anyone glad to be in the house of God today? Come on. I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad you're in the building. I want to give a shout out to online right now. Welcome to church. It's so good to have you with us. If you, this is the best way to join us. We want to say that you're welcome here. And um, if this is your first time with us online, uh, please make yourself at home. Um, help yourself to anything in the fridge. You know, you can eat as much as you want. We've actually put everything where you left it. And so uh, online, you are welcome with us. If you're in the building here today, which you are, there's so many people here, um, and it's your first time, we want to say welcome to church. It's actually, it's just the best thing ever to have you with us. And, and you're more than welcome to help yourself uh, to anything in the cafe, provided that you pay for it. And so uh, God bless you. And uh, we are so glad to have you. Listen, what's happening? Millies, you guys are looking so good. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them some good news. We're talking about the gospel right now. Tell them some good news and uh, tell them it looks like they lost some weight. Just someone needs to receive that today. Just speak it in faith in Jesus' name. Turn to the other neighbor and say, you look better without a mask. You look better without a mask, but please keep it on. You look better without it, but please stick with it. Well, this morning, it is my privilege to be sharing with you. And like Tammy said, so is that my countdown over there? So it's two point eight hours. Is that right? Okay, just checking. Tammy said that uh, your lead pastors, Jason and Sue, are up in Johannesburg with their daughter celebrating. So now that that's confirmed, and I've, I've seen what hotel they're staying in, and they're not just saying they're in Joburg, but they're actually around the corner, the cat is far away. And so the mice will play today. And, uh, and so Jason wanted me to do some work, but I'm going to create some work for him when he comes back, hopefully. Anyway. But I'm loving this series. Uh, I've been tracking. I watched last week's sermon, and um, you guys just have the big. You got to know this. You guys have the best lead pastors ever. Like I don't honestly, the best of the best, and. Um, you are so blessed to be led by them, how they serve you, and, and today it is my absolute privilege to be serving you God's Word. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to start out with a scripture that's going to be our springboard scripture that's going to help us jump into the text that we're really going to learn about today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. If you don't, you can just look at the screens. Um, it's probably what everyone else is going to be doing. And online, you can open up your Bible exactly where you left it, um, or you can just take a look on your phone and... Uh, that's the anchor camera? Okay, there we go. We're going to read uh, this morning from the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, written by a guy named Paul, and uh, we see what he says for us today. And then we're going to pray together and uh, see what God does this morning uh, in the service. So from verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, here's some good news, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many people know that's good news? That's great. In fact, in the comment section right now, just type AMEN, all caps. Let them know that you're shouting AMEN. You will be saved. 
It says, for it's within your heart, with your heart that you believe and are justified, justified, never sinned, justified, and it is with your mouth you profess faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone, everyone say anyone. Anyone, in the comments says, well, you're not excluded now, I can't see you, but Jesus can. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's some good news. It says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There isn't a hierarchy in the kingdom of God. The cross is level at the base of the cross. It's just everyone's equal. He says, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What an encouraging piece of scripture. Here comes the challenge. How then can they call on the name they've never believed in? How can they believe in the name of which they've never heard? Do you know that one third of the world right now have never heard the name of Jesus? Like we can conceptualize it maybe in our Western context, but one third of the world have never ever heard of the name of Jesus. They've never heard Jesus spoken to the ears. One third of people alive today have never heard the name Jesus spoken into their ears. That's why we believe in missions. That's why we believe in reaching unreached people groups because there's one third of the world have never had the privilege of hearing the beautiful name Jesus. It says, um, how will they know unless they've heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. My message title this morning is both our opening prayer and my closing target. Our prayer is, Lord, make my feet beautiful. Make my feet beautiful. I want you to pray with me this morning. I'm not just, just going to pray for you. I want you to pray with you. In fact, you've got something to bring. You know, it's very encouraging when you come to receive something because like Jared said, if it's for free, it's for me. Hello. But one of the most encouraging things I can tell you today is that you've got something to bring today. You've got some faith to bring in the room. In fact, God knew you were going to be here. And your faith mixed with my faith, with your joy, mixed with someone else's joy, can make an atmosphere for change. Online right now, God knows your faith in your heart. You can bring some faith to the online space. So come on, pray with me this morning as we connect with our Creator, the Savior of all, the one who loves your soul and died for you. We're going to speak to Him this morning together as we pray. Come on, let's pray together, Jesus. We love you. We thank you that you're here. And when the King is present, darkness is absent. Lord, I thank you that in your presence is liberty and fullness of joy. God, you're filling every heart. You're filling this room. You're filling every home that's receiving this message. And God, I pray wherever your seed is sown, it shall not return empty, shall not come back void, but accomplish every single task for which it is sent. Holy Spirit, we can't do this without you. We know we won't depend on anything we don't need, and we need you. You aren't a byproduct. You aren't the side portion. You are the main meal. And so, Holy Spirit, you guide us in this service. May you bring God's word alive inside of us, Lord. And may we be so passionate as Jesus was passionate for dying for our souls. May we live for him. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we've learned a lot about this text that's going to help us go into the next text. And my message being, make my feet Beautiful, and some of you looked down at your very toes and said, Lord, amen. You know, some of you got them knick-knack toes. Come on, let's be honest. You can use some healing there. Or I call them Moses' feet. You know what Moses' feet are? If your partner has Moses' feet, it's when, when the Lord decides to split your toes. Like, Come on, you got, they're just splitting like the Red Sea. Tammy, I didn't even know you were going to make mention of it. It's the Moses' feet. Some of, I've got some Moses' feet happening. It's the shoes. It's killer. Or you've got the hide-and-seek. Or I call them the humble toes when they try and put the other one in before themselves, you know, <laughs> Make my feet beautiful in Jesus' name. Say amen in the comments. Say amen. Make my feet beautiful. But in this text, one of the most encouraging portions and good news texts that we can read in our Holy Scripture is also the most challenging. He says, anyone, 
all and everyone. Anyone, all and everyone. Anyone who calls on your name will be saved. His name. All who come to him will be saved. And everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. Anyone, all and everyone. It is actually radically inclusive. Radically inclusive. But there's only one name you can call on that you'll be saved. So it's inclusive. It's for everyone, anyone, and all, but it's exclusive. There's only one door you get in. This must challenge us because in this world of what acceptance is love, and the truth is there's only one door. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life outside of him. And if we don't believe this, we might leave people to their own, their own ways. But the truth is we love them too much to leave them, and Jesus loves us to leave, too much to leave us. And so he came down to earth. He didn't wait for us to get to heaven. And so he says, it's anyone, all, and everyone. But there is only one name. But how will they call on the name if they've never heard on the name? How will they believe in a name that they've never received or, or someone demonstrated? And so today, what we're going to do is we are going to hopefully unpack a scripture that's going to teach us how to preach the gospel with our lives. Not just with words, but with actions. Because there's only one name, Luke chapter 14, they might not have it. I added a whole bunch of scriptures this morning. Um, 23 says, then the master told his servants, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. This is his heart. Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Do you see the heart of God here? He's saying there's a celebration that's gonna be happening. I don't want anyone to miss out, the anyone, the all, the everyone, but you need to go out and compel them to come in. You, the church, the Christian, if you believe in Jesus, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. He's your rabbi, your teacher. You are his follower, he says, you go out so that others come in. We don't just exist for ourselves. You know that, hey, we come together to gain strength, to be equipped, to be empowered and encouraged, to go out, not just to come in and gather, but to go out and make a difference. We know that COVID has seriously limited our seating capacity, but I want to say this, it's never limited our sending capacity, that we are always sent into the world and God wants to use you where you are placed for a purpose. And so we come together because we know there is only one way. Anyone, all, everyone invited, but there's only one door that you enter. And so Jesus is calling you and Jesus is calling me today to be part of welcoming people in. So the text that we're going to be unpacking today is a, a small text. Text is only two verses. You're like, I like this church already. <laughs> only two verses. Well, I'm going to use a lot of other scripture to back up these two verses, so don't. But we're going to find out what God says to us in 1 Peter chapter 2, from verse 11 to 12. For the online, I'm so sorry I'm speaking quickly, but you're going to have to... Listen carefully. Um, I'm not going to slow down. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 ver and 12, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful, sinful desires, to wage that which wage war rather against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God the day he visits us. We're going to unpack this piece by piece by piece. And this text is going to teach us how to live out the gospel wherever we are, our feet may find ourselves. And so it says, dear friends, I urge you. Hear Peter's heart in this. Peter's not condemning anyone. He's, he's not condescending. He's saying, dear friends, listen to me. I urge you. I encourage you. I implore you. You've got to see that his heart is open right now. He's saying, fellow believers in Jesus, fellow believers and, and livers of the way. That's what they were called back in the day. The, the way, the ones who followed the way, hear me, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. What a great way to describe the presence of a Christian on the face of the earth, a foreigner and an exile. Do you know that we're just passing through? 
that this is not our home? This is not our home. You were born on earth, but you were designed in heaven. This, Paul calls our body a tent, talking about the physicality of our lives. The tent's going to be taken down. James tells us that our life is about a mist, describing the, the brevity of life. Moses wrote in chapter 12, of, uh, uh, verse 12 of chapter 90 of the book of Psalms, says, Lord, teach me the brevity of life that I might live with wisdom. We are not going to stay here forever. Our days are numbered, but there is an eternal home that Jesus has gone to make for you and for me, and I don't want to go alone. I want my friends and family to be in that home for all of eternity. This is not our home. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, but we are citizens, we are, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not our home. He says, dear friends, I urge you, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, temporary residents, this is what he says, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. He's saying you need to apply the blood before we share the testimony. He said, don't give yourself to your lowest primal instincts. In fact, you were created for more than what the New Testament calls the flesh. In fact, Romans tells us that if we live by the flesh, it leads to death. But if we live by the Spirit, it leads to life. That you are not just flesh, bones, and body. In fact, you're made up of three parts. You know this, hey? You are spirit, soul, and body. One of those three are your leaders right now. Who's ever the strongest is your leader. Whatever you feed the most will grow the most. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve will die. So we are spirit, soul, and body. So if you feed, that's why we fast. Jesus said, not if you fast. He said, when you fast, do these things. As Christians, don't wait for the church to corporately fast. That's a powerful time, and I encourage you to do it. But I want to, with your personal walk with Jesus, choose times that you're going to fast. Not saying, hey, put it on the Facebook, you know, put it in the comments. No, no, no. Just with you and the Lord, because you want to have your spiritual man be the leader in the room. You want your spiritual man to be the leader in your home. You want your spiritual man to be the leader in your marriage. You want the spiritual man raising your kids. So it's spirit, soul, and body. The body just needs natural things, like a tree. It just needs some sunlight and water. The soul needs natural and relational things. You need some food, but you also need some relationship. It's like our dogs. I love my dogs. They've eaten all my furniture. We moved recently and just dug up all the flower beds. It was great. They've eaten the pool cover. They have, anyway, this, that's neither here nor there. I just needed to get that out. <laughs> Amen. Any dog trainers in the house? DM me, They're right there. <laughs> Praise God. Um, but a dog needs physical things, but also has a soul, I believe. I don't know if the dogs are going to heaven, but needs relational things to grow. But a spirit needs eternal things to grow. And so whatever you feed the most will become the strongest, will be the leader. Now, this is the catch. Who's ever the leader of your life, whether it's your spirit, your soul, relationships may be your leader, or physical flesh may be your leader, or the spirit may be your leader. You want the spirit to be your leader. Whoever is your leader today for yourself will determine how you see others. So if my flesh is my leader this morning, and I see someone that's physically okay, I probably won't be concerned about their future because they're all right. Because I see myself, that's my leader. Does that make sense? If my soul is my leader today, and someone is relationally fine, like they probably have a good moral compass, they're a good person, and you know, they, they do the things, and they're helpful, and, they take, and they're, in the, they're on the PTA, and you know, they're doing stuff, and they're relationally cool, they're not just this weird person that's always grumpy, you'd probably think, you know what, I'm not too worried about their future. They're, they're going to be fine, because that's how I lead myself. But if you're spiritual, you ask yourself where they're going to spend their eternity. But you'll only see them the way you see yourself. It's so true. You don't see things as they are. You see things as 
as you are. Isn't that true? And so you've got to ask yourself the question today, who is my leader? Because the way I see myself is the way I see others. And you've got to make your spiritual man, because we are more spiritual than we are physical. This is not our home. I'm trying to establish this. And what Peter's saying, listen to me, dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, this is not your home. I urge you, don't give yourself to the sinful desires of this world. Don't just give yourself to the flesh. You call for a higher living. You call for something greater. You call for something beyond this, for all of eternity. Spirit, soul, and body. Is this helping anyone? Let me know if it's helping. I'm I'm hopefully this is helping some people. And so... Romans tells us, 8 verse 6, that the mind is governed, that, that's governed by the flesh leads to death, but the mind that's governed by the Spirit leads to life and peace. It says, don't give yourself to the flesh, your sinful desires, but rather, live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans was a normal word back then, just someone who didn't believe in Jesus. Live such good lives among the pagans. Live such good, what is a good life? The word good is kalos, which means, uh, in Greek, which means beautiful. Live such beautiful lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to, you know, I used to be young and good looking. Now I say I'm just good looking, you know, on the side over here, but such beautiful, hello, you know, I just don't feel on the side. You know, Dino actually gave me that joke. I, ha- I used to have hair and then I launched the church. It's great. It's not stressful. You think the church is probably, what, 15 years old? No, we're three. <laughs> I lost it after the first year. I tried to hold on to it the second year, and the Lord just said, be blessed. And I said, bless me, don't make me. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Thank you, Lord. You guys who've been longstanding members will probably know Nick Smith, and he's bald, and you become like the people who hang around. I should have chosen better friends. I thought maybe he would grow hair, but I went, anyway, we're moving. I digress. It says that uh, we need to live such good lives. You know, it's not easy to live a good life. If it was, everyone would. But the Bible tells us, Paul writes to Timothy, that times are going to get darker, that things are going to be tougher, and that Christians need to stand up higher. Have you found that? Live such good lives. A good life, I believe, would be a life that really sets the example of how Jesus would have lived. I think the character of Jesus is summarized in a short scripture that means so much. In Galatians chapter 5, you would know it well. Chapter 5 from verse 22, I believe it is, to 23. It's the fruits of the Spirit. I believe the fruits of the Spirit describe Jesus, how Jesus would be. Jesus is love. He's got joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's who Jesus is. And I think a good life would probably exemplify those kind of fruits. Live such a good life. It says among the pagans. It says we don't need to be isolated. We don't need to be isolated from the world. We need to use our lives to infiltrate into the world. Not isolate, but when we live such good lives among people. You know, when I was in first year of Bible college studying at the cemetery, I mean seminary. It's just every week I'm consist- If I'm not anything, I'm consistent. If you haven't heard that joke before, be blessed. It's coming again if you hear me ever preach. Um, and I was actually intrigued by monastic living, living like a monk. I know I've got the hairdo now, but I mean, maybe that's why the Lord gave it to me. I don't know. But I was actually really intrigued about living like a monk because then if you live retracted from the world, 
You can't be tempted in the world. So if I just isolate myself away from all the bad things and not, all, not look at anything, not listen to anything that's secular, not, not be around anyone that's you know, bad at you, I can, just, I can become more like God. But that's not who Jesus was. He displayed the fruit in the world. In fact, he prayed this. He prayed such a crazy prayer. Jesus is crazy. First, chapter 17 of John from verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. This is believers, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not to take them out of the world. He's talking to the Father here. My prayer is not that you would be taken out of the world, um, taken out of the world, but you would protect them from the evil world, even one while they're in the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He's saying, I don't want you to take, and the very reason why you're here is because I want you to be in the world, but not of the world. I didn't want you to isolate. I want you to infiltrate. I want you to be part of making the world better. Live such a good life amongst people who don't know Jesus that what? Even when they accuse you of doing wrong, though they accuse you of doing wrong. You know, the word rights, you know, these options, right and wrong, are very blended these days. What's right and what's wrong? It seems like they're, they're, they're almost interchangeable now. What is right? What is wrong in today's trend culture? Paul writes to Timothy, and he says this. He says, in the last days, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from 2, people will be lovers of themselves. That's the right thing right now. Isn't it? You've got to love just lovers of yourself. Apparently, that's what you need to be. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, and so, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Isn't that, that just, those things, the Bible says, are contrary to the Spirit. But when I take a look at today's culture and say that's the things that you need to aim for, what's right and what's wrong? People will accuse you of living the wrong life because you say there's only one door. That's wrong. How can you say that? No, no, no. The Bible says that's right. I live because He is the way, the truth, and the life. But the Bible says you're not accepting. That's the wrong way to live. I don't believe that's the wrong way to live. I preach nothing up but Jesus and nothing down but the devil. I never denounce someone else's faith, but I'm not going to compromise mine. There is only one way to heaven, and I'll live in such a way. They'll say it's wrong. People say it's wrong to stay pure before marriage. What do you mean, staying pure before marriage? What is that? What do you mean the sanctity of marriage? It's a piece of paper. What do you mean raising your child in the house of God? What do you mean giving sacrificially to the kingdom of God? What do you mean giving of your time, talent, and treasure so that others can go forward and you take a step back? You need to love yourself. You need to boast about yourself. Those things are wrong. These things are right. But we know that Bible doesn't teach us that, hey. In fact, the Romans saw Christians as a brand new race. Did you know that? They classified Christians back in the day as a new human race because they lived so contrary to their culture. They were so different that they actually said, you're no longer just a normal human. You're a different race. The reason why maybe we blend with society is because Christianity had a big impact in the Roman world in the Western context from the outset. But now I think it's getting so blurred. I think Christians, we really need to build our faith and say, this is what I stand for. This is what I live for. Not in a condemning way, but a life-giving way and say, this is, this is who I am. This is who Jesus is, and this is who I'm going to be. It's not about my personality or preference. It's about his person. Am I making any sense here today? How to live a good life. He says, don't give yourself to sinful desires. Don't give yourself to the flesh. Live such good lives that even when they accuse you of living wrong, doing wrong, by doing right, it's not by doing wrong. If you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong then you need to ask for forgiveness and repent. But they're going to say you're doing wrong by living right. It says, 
as they do that, they may even accuse you of doing wrong. May they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. In the midst of them saying, jeez, what a kind of life you live. You're so narrow-minded, you Christians living in your bubble. No, 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 I'm going to live such a good life that it's undeniable that I love you the way Jesus loves me. I'm going to live such a good life, it's undeniable the fact that the grace that covers me is the grace that can cover you. I'm going to live such a good life, being connected, standing under the fountain of grace, that I'm going to be unoffendable in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm just going to be this person who loves others the way that he loves me. But it's staying connected to the vine. John chapter 15, this church would know it well. I want to encourage you, even as the day gets darker, Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome your rightness when you stay connected to Jesus. It's a great testimony he's building. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus says, listen to me. If you want to actually do a good job of evangelism, John chapter 13, he says, by this everyone, remember we spoke about everyone, the all, anyone, and everyone, the everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's, it's not by the preaching. It's not by the singing. It's not by the building. It's not by the program. It's by the loving. What a powerful church the church would be if we just went out to love and compelled them to come in. I think that's a game-changing church. Listen, the first and second century Christians, they were so badly persecuted. They had to live out their faith in the catacombs. In 2019, I preached out in China and there, the house churches and the hidden churches are real, guys. It isn't something like, you know, you sort of got to hide your faith. It is so real. It's crazy. This year, 150,000 people will be martyred for their faith, not because they stole, not because they murdered, not because they took anything from anyone else, but the fact that they profess Jesus, their Lord and Savior, they will die for their faith this year in 2021. Maybe not in our neighborhoods, but in this world, that will happen. For merely believing in their heart and confessing with their mouth that Jesus is king, they will die. We, the, the persecution on the church is real. It's not a figment of your imagination. The enemy doesn't want the church to grow. Society doesn't want church to have more, you know, a more prominent influential role. They're trying to have us on the back step, but we know we're on the front foot. We don't fight the way the world fights. The world will tell you, if you have control, you have authority. In fact, it's opposite in the kingdom. The way that you gain authority in the kingdom is when you surrender. And so when we do what Jesus did, this is so contrary to the Roman rule. Jesus, the king of all, said, I'm not come to rule over you. I've come to come under you. I've come to serve and not be served. So you get this king that says, I've created everything. But in the Roman, in the Roman rule and the, and the laws, pretty much the world, the culture says, the weak rule over the strong. The rich rule, rule over the poor. Jesus says, no, no, no. The least of these shall be first. I've come to serve them. Can you see how contradict? It's such a sharp contrast. We need to be the contrast in Jesus' name. We need to be the light in this dark world. We need to be the ones that I'm going to love the way that Jesus loved me. I'm going to have this grace for people the way that he has grace for me. Lest I forget how much he's forgiven me, I forgive others. He's saying, listen, the whole world will know, not by the preaching, not by the singing, not by the building, but by the loving, will know that you're my disciples. As I come to a close today, Maybe, Sharice, you can come up and bring some anointing if it was absent before. It's definitely not going to be absent now. Married to Dino. I asked myself this question about the three parts of myself. You know, who's, who's, who's really the leader? And I aspire for the Spirit to be the leader, so I do things that help the Spirit grow strong. I see others the way I see myself, and, and I challenge myself all the time. 
all the time I challenge myself. I'm like, do you know, what are you living for? Are you living to please yourself? Even in ministry, are you, are, have you got your own goals? Are you on God's agenda? When you see people, what do you see? Ask yourself the question, what does Jesus see when he sees people? Have you ever asked yourself this question? I wanna, just as Christians, I'm not talking to people who are still yet to confess the name of Jesus and believe in I'm talking to Christians now, just followers of the way. You would call yourself a disciple of Jesus. He's your rabbi, which means your teacher. Like you live closely to him. You've got a relationship with him. I'm talking to Christians right now online. You've got a relationship with Jesus. So if this is not you, don't receive this right now because it's gonna be quite challenging. What are you living for? Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is the highest metric in the kingdom of God? I'm all about stats. I talk about Ty. Ty does the stats for the church because stats tell stories. So I love statistics. I didn't like math, but I like stats. They tell stories. And so I asked myself the question, self, if you had to do an audit of the kingdom of God, what would be the most valuable asset in the kingdom of God? I don't know if you've ever asked that question, but I'm always going to go to, well, what's the greatest win? I like winning. I don't like losing. I like to be on the winning team. If you're a Christian, you're on the winning team. That's a good thing. I think that's part of why I want to be a Christian. Continue to be. I am one. Um, Hopefully. What's the most valuable thing in the kingdom of God? And I'll search the scriptures. It's okay to search scriptures when you have questions. I, I had some questions. Like, God, what is the most valuable thing? Like, I'm working hard each day, but like, if you had to say like one thing's the most valuable thing, what would be the most valuable thing? And I came across Luke chapter 15 from verse 10. Jesus speaking. He says, in the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need to say sorry to God. Right now, what did Jesus just do? He just told us what is the number one asset in the kingdom of God is someone's soul. So if we had to scale anything, listen, taking care of the least is up there. Taking care of those who fall in hard times is up there. Making sure that people are wealth is up there. And that's all the heart of God. James says that's true religion, the spirituality that God receives. But he's saying the highest of all things that are up there is winning someone's soul for Jesus is bringing people into relationship with their creator, savior, and king. There is nothing more important. And so if that is the number one metric for a Christian to aim towards, we should live our lives aspiring for that goal every single day. It was my opening prayer, make my feet beautiful. It's my closing target, make my feet beautiful. And I'm praying today, even in this room and online, that you would pray that prayer as a Christian. Lord, make my feet beautiful because souls matter to you. It's the most valuable thing in the kingdom of God. I'm gonna live my life. Even when people say I'm living wrong, I'm gonna live right. Even when the world's going the other direction, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna continue to serve Jesus. Dear friends, I'm gonna read it again. I urge you, I urge you, dear friends, as foreigners and exiles, this is not your home. As foreigners and exiles, do not give yourself. The Bible says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God, the God of heaven. I want to ask you to pray with me, Christians, and then we're going to put an opportunity out there today. So come on, let's close our eyes online. I can't see you, but Jesus can. Close your eyes. Connect with your Savior. Ask yourself the question, who is the leader? Is it my spirit, my soul, or my body? What is the target? Is it souls? Because souls are the most precious thing to Jesus. And if it's, if it's precious to Him, Lord, make it precious to me. Make my feet beautiful today. Lord, we pray this prayer as followers of the way, of disciples of Jesus. We say, help us to be loving, kind, have patience, forbearance, that we would be uh, full of joy, peace, love, that we would live in such a good way that people will ask the question, why do you live 
that way. And we would give them the answer because Jesus died for me. I'm going to live for Him. Our prayer as Christians today is that you would make our feet beautiful in the place of work, in our homes, in our schools, in where we study, where we live our lives, that people would ask the question, why? And we would give them the answer, Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, if He's not your Lord, Savior, and King, then I'd love to invite you. You know, the world, there's no lack of information today. There's only a lack of uh, invitation. There's not a lack of information, but invitation. And so I want to invite you today into a relationship with Jesus as Lord, King, and Savior. If that's you here today, maybe in this room right now or online, Jesus sees your heart. He's saying, do you know that's me? I actually... I need to Jesus, I need to make Him my Lord. I know that I'm far from Him right now, but I want to make a decision. Now I'm making a decision to live for eternity and receiving Him as my King. If that's you here today, you're saying, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for the King. Then your heart, just pray this prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I love you. I acknowledge that you died and rose again on my behalf. I confess I'm a sinner. I've messed up, but I pray that by your blood, you would wash me clean. By faith, I believe I'm being made new. Lord, I promise to worship you and serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, you are now my king. You are now my Lord, and you are my savior. I cannot save myself. Pray this. Holy Spirit, help me be more like Jesus. And Lord, we want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Amen. Online, thank you for joining us.